All right, all right, all right. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody today? Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to the 2021 Thanksgiving service. Who is ready to not only receive the Word of God today, but also get a little food for your stomach? Come on, somebody. Amen. Well, we're going to have an awesome service today. Uh, Pastor Katie and I are very grateful to be back. So thank you, everybody, that uh, was there for us the last couple weeks. <laughs> we uh, spent a couple weeks in quarantine, and that yeah, that wasn't so much fun. But God was good to us. Jesus is our healer, and we are back, and we're going to have an awesome, awesome time today. So praise God. Well, how do we always open up the service around here? We speak some words of faith over the United States. Can we stand up together today? Amen. Amen. We're going to stand up together today. And yes. we believe that America is coming to Jesus. There we go. And trying, especially, man, you know, what a time of the year to, to uh, be giving thanks and realizing all that God is doing uh, for you and for this country. And so we're going to speak these words of faith. We're going to say it like we mean it. Amen. Amen. Father. We come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise today. Amen. All right, well, now what we're going to do is take a few minutes to go ahead and uh, do some meet and greet this morning. And so uh, what we do is we take a few minutes to give some high fives, some hugs. And if you don't want anybody in your bubble, you can just kind of wave them off or whatever. But don't be afraid about me. I'm negative. I'm good to go, baby. Come on. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I will hug you because I have missed you. Amen. So anyway, let's take a few minutes here this morning to greet each other. Let's go. Every fear overtaken, and every wall comes crashing down. I am free in your presence, whoa. You have lifted my burdens, you surround me with your grace. Full of hope in your presence, whoa. Can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. I see the kingdom of heaven. It's the dark within this life, so secure in your presence. 
have won our salvation at the cross one sacrifice so alive in your presence and I I can't stop singing about your love I can't stop singing about your love my heart is overcome Katie come up and do the announcements. She's a lot better at it than me. It turns out she's a lot better looking than me too. 
But I will, hey, this is my 16th Thanksgiving service with this same sweater, all right? Now, I give God glory because no exercise has gone into this. I'm shocked it still fits. I bought this in college in Oklahoma. Anyway, praise God, but it's one of my, uh, just one of my crowning achievements every year when it still fits. All right, go ahead, baby. You know, it's a nice stretchy one. So, <clears throat> I'm, I don't even mean it like that. Okay, listen, some years it's been a little tighter. This year it's pretty loose. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, he's always handsome to me. I, listen, I like him. I picked him. I like him. Praise the Lord. Okay, well, let's get to some announcements. Um, first of all, if I could ask you if you're going to use the restroom during service, go around. Do us a favor of not, like, walking right next to the camera in the pulpit. Okay? So go around if you can. Um, also, um, make sure to pick up your children first before you eat lunch. Okay? <laughs> we know that you would like to eat lunch before you pick up your children. <laughs> That's just not fair to everyone else. So, for lunch, if you parents could go ahead and pick up your kids first and help them through the line. Don't just set them free. Um, we are going to let them play with supervision, okay, in the gravel area because it's what they normally do. So, it's okay if they play out there, but you got to watch them. Um, in addition to that, um, the seniors and those who need assistance getting their food, please be respectful and let them go first for lunch, okay? We're going to repeat all of that to you at the end, but here it is for free at the beginning. So there is no service tonight because we're all going to eat lunch and then clean up, and don't forget to get your kids to church services for children's play practice, okay? It's cute when they mess up, but it's not cute when the whole thing's a mess, okay? So we want them to be at church as much as possible, and then at Christmas you bring as many people as possible to see them. And... Not tonight, but next Sunday, November 28th at 6 o'clock for our 6 o'clock service. We're swapping service out for our Christmas came early party. Praise the Lord. So it'll be all decked out for Christmas, and we'll be ready to celebrate with you with a bunch of cookies. So you're going to come, and you're going to bring a dozen cookies to share. And you're going to bring a gift for the gift exchange. Adults, it's $5, and kids, it's a $1 gift. So you just bring a gift all wrapped up for the gift exchange, and we'll make it really, really funny, okay? And you can bring funny things. That's cool, too. And you can bring nice things. That's cool, too. And usually Leah will, you know, administer the game, and she'll let you steal presents from each other in church. It's terrible. Anyway, we have a great time. We have a great time. So bring some cookies and some gifts for the gift exchange next Sunday, and we'll all have a wonderful Christmas party together. Oh, and this is off, off the announcement. I want to give a quick shout-out to, um, guys remember Joseph Reed and his wife Morgan? They're with us from down the hill today. And they've got, hey, they've got a six-week-old baby. they got a little guy back there with us, so, Yeah. Joseph was an officer in the army and lived up here for a few years and was a great part of our church. And, and he still comes up. Him and Morgan still come up and see us every few months. So we congratulate them on the newborn baby. We're super excited for them. Yeah. And while we're at those kind of announcements, I didn't ask beforehand, but here it comes. Brian and Julie got engaged last night. <gasps> yes, congratulations. 
Amen. So all sorts of good things we're celebrating today. It will be a day of thanksgiving. Amen. Who's thankful for what the Lord has done for you? Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. I am so grateful that I'm not where I used to be, that Jesus didn't just leave me how I was, but he took the time to tell me the truth even when it hurt. He took the time to give me the truth and set me free, and I am so thankful for Jesus today. Amen. All right, well, something else I'm thankful for is um, one of my new nephews. Uh, this is, uh, we're going to do a baby dedication this morning, guys. Amen. Uh, yeah. Now, last year, I think we had nine baby dedications because we had a lot of babies in the church last year. And uh, we haven't had quite so many this year, but this is uh, Judah Samples, my nephew, uh, Josh and Julie's fourth son. And uh, my mom here is going to do the baby dedication this morning. And so uh, we'll go ahead and have the rest of the family come up here. And this is a special moment for us. Amen. So family members, come on up. Get up close and personal here. There we go. Close and personal. Short ones in the front. There you go. Awesome. All right. Praise the Lord. This is exciting. Let's see. I'm trying to think. He is grandchild number 19. Yes. Judas grandchild number 19. So that's pretty good, right? And 20 and 21 are on the way. So they don't get to be the, the, the only one very long in our family, right? It's usually boys. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Joshua and Julie Samples, along with uh, Judah's three older brothers. This is Hedemias. That's Jonas. This is Joaquin, and they're all older brothers. Isn't that cool? Along with Julie's parents, Brent and Alice Camp from Portland, Texas. Along with me, I'm Josh's mom. And Josh's dad, Pastor Samples, who's watching uh, uh, by uh, streaming today, and he sends his love. Along with Uncle David, Aunt Katie, Cousins Joel, Cousins Isaac, and we're missing a couple of cousins, but that's okay. So we've all come today to dedicate Judah Aaron Samples. Now, he's Josh and Julie's fourth son. So she said, she says that's it. But I waited 13 years for a girl and never gave up. So I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> so I just want you to know that Judah, his name Judah means praise. And his name Aaron means bringer of light. So it's very important when you have a baby that you look up what their name means because you don't want to name them something. And if you look up the meaning, it means little brat or something, you know, and you call them that their entire life. So it's very important that you, when you're going to have a child, that you look, you know, if you just think of a name, you better look up what it means because you're going to call that child that name their entire life. That's their handle. So anyway, that's a pretty good name. Praise and bringer of light. Amen. Psalms 127 uh, verses 3 and 4 says that children are a gift from the Lord. They are reward from him. It also says that children born to a young man, that's Josh, you young man? Sure. 
depends on how old you want to live to be. If you're counting on 120, you're very young. Okay. That children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful the man whose quiver is full of them. Well, a quiver is that leather thing that holds arrows. And back in the day, a peacetime quiver or a peacetime amount of children that you had in your quiver was five or six. So some of you are behind a little bit. See, Julie, you haven't even met the five or six. But in wartime, it was 12. So some people have 12 children. You know, I'm just saying this. I learned this years ago, but it's cool stuff. Also, Proverbs 22, 6 says to train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now, this literally means to change, to train them up according to their giftings and their bents. Now, they may not realize yet what Judah's giftings and his bents are. What does he gravitate to? You know, those of you who have children know that they all gravitate to something different. You know, my kids, they're not all musicians like Josh. They don't all preach the gospel like David. Actually, he's a musician too. But some of my kids are not musicians at all. You know, some of them are, they just do different things. So you have to watch what they do when they're, when they're little. What do they gravitate to? And then train him up in that. Um, the religious translation of this verse is that children will backslide. I said that's a religious translation. And you hear that all the time. But I never, I never received that about my children. But, and, then, and then they say that eventually when they get older, they'll return to the Lord. But that's, that's error. What this, children, what this verse literally means that as they are growing older, they will never depart from the Lord. Okay? So don't even, don't even put in your thinking that your children or little Judah is going to backslide. It's not going to happen. Also, I want you to know that the Lord did not give baby Judah to a village to raise. You hear that phrase all the time. Whenever anybody says that to me, I correct them right off the get-go. God did not give our children to us for a village to raise. The city of Barstow and all of its establishments are not responsible for baby Judah. Amen. He gave Judah to his dad and to his mom to tend to him to direct him, to nurture him, to protect him, to guide him, and to lead him to Jesus. Too many people in our nation have left it up to the village to tend to their children, trusting them to raise the children that God gave to us. Christian parents, do not do that. Do not relinquish your children to the world. I just read you a verse that said that they're God's gift to you. They're your responsibility. God gave them to you as a blessing to you. So don't relinquish what he's given to you to the world to raise. And with Judah today are three generations of Christian people. He's got his dad and mom who are born again, the little children that are. He's got his dad, you know, uh, Julie's dad and mom, Britt and Alice. He's got Pastor and I. You know, and I got to thinking about it, too. His uh, great-grandmother, yeah, Chris was a believer. Great, uh, great-grandma Carter. 
and, uh, you know, on and on down the line it goes. You know, I'm, I'm not sure, you know. But even if you're the first, if, even if you are the first generation Christian, you've got the responsibility that the buck stops with you. Like, Timothy, I'm looking at you. You're a little boy's second generation, their children, third generation. You know, you've got to stay strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and you've got to raise your children on purpose for God. It takes work. It takes determination. It takes a lot of prayer, but it's worth every minute of it because I know my kids aren't going to hell, you know. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, Josh and Julie, I'm going to ask you two a question. So, you want you to come up so you can get closer to me since you're so adorable. Okay. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? All right. Do you purpose to train Judah up in the way of, of the Lord to follow him always? Yes. Okay. So, let's, family, let's gather around him. Let's lay hands on little Judah. hands on your brother too in a nice way yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes we're gonna be nice hallelujah you want to you want to touch your little brother Joaquin let's hold him touch his little foot father we come before you in Jesus name Lord and we know that Josh and Julie as Judah's parents have already dedicated him to you but father we come together in this public setting to dedicate Judah Aaron's samples to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the plans and the purposes that you have for this precious little boy, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that he's always going to follow you. He's always going to follow the ways of, 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 of Jesus, the ways that his parents and his grandparents are teaching him, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your divine safety and protection over this child all the days of his life. And, Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that he will... He will flourish, he will thrive, he will prosper. Whatever you've called him to be, Father God, he's going to be the best Christian example of that around, Father. And Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Well, turn him around so he can see everybody. There he is. There's little Jude. Isn't he cute? He likes his thumb. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let's, somebody going to take our picture? Okay, let's go this way. Praise God. All right. Another baby dedicated to the glory of God. Amen. Going to live for Jesus forever. Hallelujah. All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time. And you're like, 
well, what is that, man? It's when we get excited to be a giver to Jesus because when you realize that the only reason you have something to give is because Jesus gave you something in the first place, it makes you happy. It makes you thankful, and it makes you grateful. So if you need an envelope this morning, raise your hand, and the ushers will get you one. And we're going to open up our Bibles today to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, I'm going to read a verse out of the NIV today. I I very rarely use the NIV, nothing against it, but um, I'm going to use the NIV this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm going to look at verses 10 through 11. And if you're wanting to give online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this whole whole passage of scripture, uh, chapter 8, chapter 9, uh, Paul is going around to the different churches. They're taking up a collection for the Christian church in Jerusalem because they found themselves in a bad spot. They had, they made some pretty bad financial decisions, and uh, and so they were in need. And so the different churches were taking up an offering to help their Christian brothers and sisters. And, you know, it's a very biblical thing to help your Christian brothers and sisters when they're in need. We're supposed to help anybody in need, but specifically scripture tells us in Galatians 6 that we should always do good, especially unto those who are of the household of faith. And so as much as we want to help anybody and everybody, we're specifically and very much called to help Christian brothers and sisters when they are in a bad spot. And so here we have uh, the, the Christian churches. We're all making this collection for the believers. And 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, NIV, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Well, the seed it's talking about there is specifically money. They were specifically uh, sowing seed, planting seed of money to help out those in need. Verse 11, it says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so Paul's saying, hey, as you are taking care of these Christian brothers and sisters in need, it's going to overflow in, here's this word we're celebrating today, in thanksgiving to God. And, you know, I was thinking about 10 years ago, um, Katie and I were youth pastors in Indiana, and uh, we were going, we were, uh, we were helping out these churches get youth ministry started. And I'm telling you, I'm so thankful to look back right now because we were struggling to put food on the table. We just had two kids, but we were broke and it was a struggle and it was no fun. But I was thinking this morning, there was this old farmer that lived way out in the woods, well, not the woods, but way out in the country of Indiana. And his name was Bob. We called him Farmer Bob, but he was like 80 years old. And nearly every Sunday, it just touches my heart, him and his wife, they would bring in fresh green beans from their garden. They would bring in fresh uh, eggs from their chickens. And they all the time, you know, they didn't know how bad we were going through it, but they always made sure that the poor young youth pastor that didn't have much going for him, they always made sure that we had food on our table. And, and you know, I, I had never been in that spot where there was some, some poor times, okay? And, uh, and I'm looking back on that. And I remember one Sunday, just about November of 2011, this old farmer and his wife, they took us to Cracker Barrel for lunch. 
and they have no idea, and I don't know if they're still around or not, but Farmer Bob and his wife, they took us for a really good quality meal, and that meal, it may not have been much to them, but to us and our two little boys, it was the best food I'd had in a long, long time. And what did it do? It caused me uh, to, uh, it resulted in thanksgiving to God, as this verse is talking about right there. And today, maybe some of you have been in spots where you're a lot better off than you used to be. Maybe that right now, hey, food, money, no struggle at all. Thank God for that. But maybe you can think back to a time where it was a struggle. And I want to tell you right now that as we become givers, okay, sometimes we just give straight up money if God calls it. But sometimes maybe God's asking you to take somebody to lunch after church one Sunday. Maybe God's asking you to, to, to just uh, give of something else to somebody. But I am encouraging you right now. We're all called to be givers. Every one of us are called. There's not a Christian alive that is not called to be a giver. And maybe you don't know uh, how much that meal will mean right now. Maybe it's, you know, for some poor youth pastor trying to feed his two little boys and wife and someday, you know, have a decent church to preach in. But at the same time, I want to tell you this much. If God calls you to give, be a giver. If God's saying, hey, help that person out, go do it. You don't have to ask, well, God, why? God knows things you don't know. You think that you think that God, God's got a reason for telling you to help somebody out. And I want to encourage you today. If you're in a better spot than you used to be, or if you've got something extra, I'm not talking about uh, just putting money in the offering day. I'm talking about listening to the heart of God. And if God's saying, you help that person out, you help that family out, you help that young mom out, I encourage you to do it. And the scripture says, especially for our Christian brothers and sisters, it will result in thanksgiving to God. Can we give the Lord some thanksgiving and some praise today? I love Farmer Bob, and I don't know if he's uh, if he's still around or not, but God bless him if he is. He meant a whole lot in my life. Now, today is also uh, what uh, we call Missions Sunday. And if you're not familiar with that, the third Sunday of every month, we also take up an offering for our missionaries. And uh, this morning, um, I want to tell you that we've got several missionaries that we support, several missionaries that our finances go to every month. Uh, first of all, we support Reverend Julius Marar, who is a native of India, and he's also now an American citizen. But uh, they run the Peace Mission uh, Orphanage and Christian School in uh, India. And, uh, and so uh, some of our money every month goes straight to India. And they have, I forget how many hundreds of kids that they feed and educate every month. But that's where your missions money goes to. And also Dana and Liz Nile, who get to visit us every year. Uh, we, uh, some of the money goes to them. And they just got back from um, Peru. Yeah, for Peru. And they were down there with uh, Ron and Annette Thiessen. They just did a whole conference for the, uh, the Peruvian pastors along the river right down there. And so we supported that and made that thing happen. And also, uh, more recently, locally... Every month, High Desert Word Center supports New Life uh, Fellowship Church here in Barstow. We send them money every month, amen, and uh, and help uh, feed 
uh, feed the, the population here in Barstow and a lot of other things. So they, they usually give us a good update every month. After Harvest Fest, we gave all of our leftover food to them and said, hey, feed people with it. So uh, I'm just telling you, isn't it great to be in the position of giving? Amen. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And a lot of people are like, man, I'd rather receive than give. But hey, I've been in both spots. I'm very thankful that I'm in the position now to be a giver and not just looking where God, somebody bail me out here. It is blessed to be a giver. Amen. And so uh, make sure if you're doing your missions offering that you mark that plainly. You write missions on your check or on your envelope and we'll sort that out for all of our missions and the rest will go to the general fund. Amen. Let's stand up together today. We're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. And, uh, you know, that's something, that's a big part of what we do at High Desert Word Center. We believe in speaking words of faith over everything we do. So as we give, let's do it in faith. Let's say this. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. When you're done thanking the Lord and worshiping the Lord with your tithes and your offerings, join us up here at the altar and let's praise them on today. Because he's done great things. Hallelujah. Come let us worship our King. Come let us bow at his feet. He has done great
raise our hands this morning. Amen. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you today. And Lord, what a true statement. Even when we don't see it, we trust that it's working. Even when we don't feel it, we know that you are working, Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. Amen. We are not so weak that we have to see to believe. 
We can believe it even before we ever even see it. And so, Lord, we give you thanks today. Lord, we give you praise today, God, that even if it doesn't seem like anything's happening right now, we know that beneath the surface, God, you are working miracles. You are causing things to break through. And so, Lord, we are grateful for that today. And we choose to lift up the sacrifice of praise today. Even if we don't feel like raising these hands, these hands are going in the air. Even if we don't feel like lifting these voices, these voices will choose to shout your praise. We thank you, Jesus, that if we were to be quiet, the rocks would have to cry out. And we are not going to be outdone by a rock. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, that you are good and your mercy endures forever. And Lord, we ask that you would have your way today. In the name of Jesus, speak to each person here, Lord. And we ask that your name would be glorified. You said that if you be lifted up from the earth, you would draw all men unto you. And so we choose to lift you up from the earth today. And we thank you that you will draw all men unto you, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. You're meeting every need that's represented in this house. We love you and we praise you, Father, for you are good forever and ever. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good, and he's in this place, and so I ask that uh, that as we move into the word of God today, that you would uh, just be expecting to receive from him, amen? Amen. You can make your way to your seats. I want to give a shout out to our awesome, amazing friends, uh, Reba and John Savoy. They're helping us out today, amen? Amen. Just some of the, just the best people in all of Barstow, all of California. These guys are great, and we appreciate them. Uh, being with us today, and they're beautiful kids. They've got such awesome little kids. You guys have, is it four? Is it, yeah, four little, man. And they're the cutest kids in the world, too, so you gotta, you got to make sure we thank them later on. All right. Well, praise God. Well, uh, to say that I'm excited to be back preaching today would be an understatement. <laughs> uh, my gosh. You know, I am grateful to watch church online if I have to, but I am so much happier when I am at church with the people of God. Amen. And so if you can't be here, you need to watch online. But if you can be at church, you need to be at church. And uh, and so I'm grateful to uh, to be back in the house of God today. And really, um, it is one of my favorite times of year, as you know. And uh, we're talking about the, the, the title today is this. It's called Lessons from the pilgrims, lessons from the pilgrims. And um, you're like, man, I don't know about all that stuff. Well, I do like history and I, I like to talk about that. But really, if you understand the story of the pilgrims, okay, that came over here, these were some brave people that, uh, that, that we can learn a lot from. Uh, of course, Christian people, and there's a lot of uh, reworking of history and things like that in our day and age. And, um, and I, you know, there's nothing you can say other than the, the pilgrims here. They were Christian people, and uh, and they came uh, to what they thought was the colony of Virginia. It turns out it was Massachusetts. But anyway, they, they were a little bit too far north. But at the same time, uh, they came here to establish, as they put it in the Mayflower Compact, uh, the, for the advancement of the Christian faith and the Christian religion. And uh, I, through family research, I found out that my 11th great-grandpa was a man named Francis Cook, 
and he came over on the Mayflower uh, in uh, 1620, and he was tired of the bad situation that they were living in. And so he was one of the men that signed this thing called the, the Mayflower Compact. And so anyway, I'm grateful that, uh, that he had some guts. And as I look at some lessons that we can learn off of these men today, you know, uh, last year would have been the 400th anniversary of uh, the trip that they made. So this is 401 years later. And technically, this would be the 400th anniversary of the first Thanksgiving because it was in 1621. Um, but as I look at these lessons we can learn from these guys, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff in our world right now. I mean, you don't have to look far to see. There's just wild, crazy things I never thought would happen in my lifetime. And whenever there <clears throat> comes uh, uh, crazy times and, uh, and attacks against the faith, you know, we can either hide our head in the sand and pretend like nothing's happening, which, you know, a lot of people do. Or uh, we can stand up for what's right and, and, and do the right thing. And, and that's what really one of the big lessons that I take away from these brave men of 400 years ago. And so I'm going to break down three lessons today. And, you know, usually I'm probably a little bit more uh, loud and wild and rowdy. And, I'm, you know, I may get there, but I probably won't today. I'm going to just try to talk to you straight up and, uh, and enjoy our time together as we learn some lessons from some of our Christian um, you know, Christian people that I'm grateful uh, were bold enough to stand up in the midst of difficulty because, you know, hey, again, here we are, you know, the last two years things have happened even to try to make, make it to where you can't have church, try to make it to where you can do anything and everything, uh, but, but really worship God the right way. And, uh, and so we, we draw a lot of parallels to where we are in 2021 and where these guys were in the 1620s all right so let's go ahead we're going to pray today and we're going to get into some lessons from the pilgrims and i pray that you'll listen up and that you will receive the word of god today because god's got something to tell you amen let's go ahead and pray father in jesus name we thank you lord for your word we thank you that it is true and lord we thank you for the sacrifices that people before us have made, God, so we could be here right now in 2021 reading the Bible together in our language so we could be here in a church this morning, God, uh, and, and, and meet together and assemble ourselves as we were required to do in Hebrews 10.25. And, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to each person here today, God, and you will help us to truly be thankful, God. Your word says that love must be sincere. And Lord, out of our thankfulness, out of our love for you, I want it to be sincere today. I don't want to be a faker. I don't want to be in here putting on some some charade and some show, just trying to, to pretend like we're thankful, God. We want to have thankfulness sincerely from our hearts for you and to recognize and realize that without you, we are absolutely nothing. Every good thing we have comes from you. We love you, and we praise you for that. In the name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. Well, praise God. We're going to get into a few lessons here from the pilgrims, and I believe that if you'll listen, God's going to reveal some things to you today that will align with where you are in 2021. Number one, first thing I learned from the pilgrims is, number one, don't just wait for things to change. Don't just wait for things to change and hope 
that, well, you know, I just don't want to, I, I mean, I know this is going on and, and I've got this coming against me and they're saying this. No, you've got to be willing to stand up for what's right, biblically speaking. And, and I'm not talking about just what you think feels like a good cause or what you think feels. I'm talking about biblically speaking. In England in the 1600s, all right, I'm going to go nerdy on you for a few minutes, and then I'll get back to whatever. But in, in England in the 1600s, it was illegal to be a part of any church other than the Church of England. In other words, you had to go to church where the government told you to go to church. You didn't have a choice like, well, I don't really agree with that church. I want to go over here. No, you had to go to the Church of England that the government, can you imagine? I mean, I'm not huge on government involvement in every aspect of my life, not a big fan of it. But I especially don't want the government telling me where I can and cannot go to church and telling me how I can and how I can not pray. That's messed up. And in fact, they kept such close track of your church attendance. If you went more than 40 days without attending a service, they would arrest you. I mean, they kept tabs on you, and, and it was just not a good situation. So the Church of England was a break off from Catholicism, and a lot of the citizens didn't agree with a lot of the teachings uh, that, that, that the government told them they had to believe. I don't want anybody telling me how I have to believe Jesus, and I especially don't want the government telling me how I can and cannot believe and read the Bible. Amen? I want, I want freedom of religion. I want freedom to be able to read God's word, and if it says, hey, if it says love your neighbor as yourself, I'm going to choose to do that. If it says I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, I'm going to believe that. If the Bible says that Jesus came to take my sickness and remove my disease, I don't need the governor telling me, well, it doesn't really mean that. I'm an adult. I'm a free man, and I can read the Bible and choose to figure that out on my own. And I don't need anybody telling me uh, otherwise. And so it was a bad, bad situation. So a group of them called separatists decided to move to Holland in 1608 to the Netherlands. And this was some of my ancestors. And they were free to worship there, but they were also extremely poor and had a very hard go at it. And so a few years later, they decide, you know what, uh, let's just really go to where we can worship. So they head back over to England, and they left in 1620. Um, for uh, They left September 6, 1620 on this boat called the Mayflower and headed for what they thought was Virginia and what would someday be the United States. And on November 11th, 1620, they arrived in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and were there at Plymouth Rock. And I'm telling you, it took a lot of courage to make that move. They could have been like so many other people and said, you know what, let's just not draw any attention to ourselves. Let's just, let's just, things are bad. They've always been bad. They're never going to get any better. We, let's just shut our mouths and just put up with it forever. And I'm telling you right now, don't just sit there and put up with crap, excuse me, from stuff from the devil. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not supposed to say that preaching. Uh, I'm, I'm rusty. It's been a few weeks. Don't just sit there and put up with stuff from the devil when he's throwing it at you or from anybody else. You can stand up for the right thing. But when nobody stands up, when the persecution's coming, things never, ever change. 
And so it took them 66 days on a boat going across the Atlantic Ocean. This was not an easy move. This wasn't, well, let's go rent a U-Haul and, uh, you know, move a couple hundred miles. This was a big, big deal. And they made the move, and they stood up for what the right thing was. And so I'm really grateful for people that have some gumption and some guts and have some backbone and have a spine and are willing to stand up against corruption and persecution and bad things coming our way. And I've seen the last couple years, uh, so many people, the choice is so obvious on so many different things. Um, and, 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 and people that, that would, that would just, they'll just bend over and, and, and not say anything at all. I couldn't believe it. You know, last year when we decided to stay open, man, I, uh, and everyone else is closing down and all this stuff and, and people are, what, what do you think you're doing? Why, why would you do that? I'm like, there's no way in the world that I'm going to let the government tell High Desert Word Center that we cannot go to church. We, that, come on, you know, never again. Never again, never again. And, uh, and I mean, and I've got friends and I know people now that still haven't opened up their churches nearly two years later. And I'm like, people need church more than they've ever needed it before. And I remember reading news articles last year about, man, it, the absolute number one worst thing you could do right now is going to a church where people are singing and, and, and people are, are all together. It's just the word. You could go anywhere. You could go to a bar. You could go to a strip club. You could go to this. You know, but whatever you do, do not go to church. That's the most dangerous place in the world to be. And I'm like, it's the safest place in the world to be. Amen. And so... Never again, never again, but we're going to stand up for what's right. And so I'm grateful for people that have guts and have backbone and aren't willing to get pushed around and shoved around and thumbed around by a government that really doesn't, especially sometimes where we live, that uh, they've made it very clear they don't think too highly of the Christians. So at the same time, I'm thinking about a guy this morning named David. You guys ever heard of David from the Bible? David, um, an incredible man, but what a lot, we're familiar with David, uh, the warrior. We're familiar with David, the king, but really early on, that's not how David started. And, uh, and how David really became known is because he had some guts to stand up for stuff when nobody else would. And so uh, if you're, let's look at first uh, Samuel chapter 17, flip over there this morning. First Samuel chapter 17. Who's excited to be reading the Word of God together today? Yeah. Man, the last two weeks I was chasing kids around the living room trying to listen to church. Wow. That is not fun. <laughs> so 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, before King David was King David, he was just David, the teenage kid. His original job was to sit in a field and watch sheep. And there's nothing really super courageous or heroic about that, except for David uh, was very intense with what he did. David was the type of guy that was going to give 100% to whatever job he had. And, you know, if his job was to sit there and watch paint dry, he would find a way to give it 110% and make it interesting. And I like people like that. I mean, there's a lot of people, I've said this a lot, but, you know, like, well, man, when they give me a promotion, then they'll see what I'm made of. When they put me in charge of something around here, then they'll then I'll give them 
if that's your attitude, you don't deserve to be in charge of anything where you work. You should be the bottom man there, and I hope you don't get a promotion. If your attitude is that you won't give 100% until somebody gives you a title, then you don't deserve a title. And, and, uh, and you know, in fact, the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians that whatever we do, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. And so at your job, hey, if your job is to, you know, clean the floors, I hope you clean those floors like Jesus Christ is going to show up there tomorrow morning. You need to give 100%. If your job is whatever it is, if it's babysitting, give it 110%. Don't say, well, I'll give them more when they give me more money. That's the wrong attitude, and that's not how David lived his life. And so David took this sheep watching jobs so seriously that he talked about one time a bear came to attack the sheep. He beat the bear up with a stick. Like, my gosh, how intense is that? Another time a lion came to steal one of the little lambs, and David goes after it with his sling and his rock, and he beats and kills the lion with a slingshot. I mean, this guy is 110%. But because David dealt with problems, when they arose, he was ready for the big fight when that day came. And so many people are like, yeah, I'll just deal with stuff when it gets really bad. I'll rise to the occasion. You will not rise to the occasion. You will fall to the level of your preparation. And so many people, amen? Some, well, you know, when things get real bad, I know that we'll just run. No, if you can't handle things small, you will not be. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. Don't think, you know, well, we'll just, when a big problem arises, no. You need to be able to handle things and challenge things head on just like David did here. And so if you're familiar with the story, David's about 17 years old. And every day for 40 days, 40 days, this giant shows up and taunts the armies of Israel. And he's like, man, if there's any real men out there, I'll fight them. And he's making fun of the men. He's making fun of their mamas. He's making fun of the newborns. He's making fun of everybody. But he even makes fun of the God of Israel. And all these trained warriors, all these soldiers, they're cowering and hiding and not doing anything at all about it. And so 1 Samuel 17, we see when David finally shows up to visit his brothers. And when David hears what's going on, he gets ticked off. So 1 Samuel 17, verse 26, David shows up and he hears all this. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And if you've got your King James there, it says this uncircumcised Philistine. When David heard that this this uncircumcised Philistine, this pagan, this anti-God hater was out there making fun of his people and making fun of his God, it sent this teenage boy through the roof. And notice he says, who is this pagan or this uncircumcised Philistine? What he was saying is this guy doesn't even have a covenant with God and he's going to make fun of us and he's going to make fun of our God. Listen, 
Some of us have been all getting all been out of shape over different issues and situations in our life, but you're forgetting that if you're a Christian, you have a covenant with God. Now, some of you don't understand covenants, so I tell you that, and it just flies over your head, and you're like, well, that sounds nice. I don't know what that is, and I'm, I'm sorry about that, but if you'll go back to July or August, we did a whole series on it. You could listen and understand what a covenant is, but we're not going to teach that all again right now, but if you have a covenant with God, you have an agreement, you have rights, you have privileges, and you have guarantees from Scripture that God will do things for you, God will back you up, God will keep his word for you, and the enemy has no such promises. And so the enemy's out there huffing and puffing and, and barking and, and screaming, and David's like, I've got a covenant with God. I can't possibly lose this fight. And when you understand a covenant, you look at every situation different. You never go into any situation and see yourself as the underdog. You always see yourself as having the upper hand. There's not a situation in life that I go into that I'm like, man, I've got, I'm at an un, I, I, I'm disadvantaged here. I, 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 I've, got the, I've got the bad hand here. I don't know what to do. I'm always in the better position than my enemy is because God's on my side and he's not on his side. I don't care if it's COVID. I don't care if it's a sickness. I don't care if it's a, a, an evil person. I always have the upper hand because I have a covenant with God and my enemy does not have a covenant with God. And so David says, who is this guy? So look here at verse 32. What are we talking about? We're talking about standing up and believing in something. So verse 32, David is talking to King Saul. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. This guy's been fighting since he was David's age. But look at verse 37. Here's what David says. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. I'm telling you right now that when you have a righteous cause, you want to get in the fight so bad that you can't stand it. And here we have this situation. In fact, David says to his, to his brothers in one of these verses, they're like, David, shut up and go home. You're not even supposed to be here. And he's like, what have I done wrong now? Is there not a cause? When you have a righteous cause, you have some fight on the inside of you, and you want to stand up and do what God's telling you to do. David wasn't just wanting to fight Goliath because he wanted to see if he could kill a giant. David believed in his cause. Do you believe in your cause? Well, I don't know. And I'm telling you, some of you got some weak causes, okay? I'm not talking about some stupid politics. I'm not talking about some stupid other thing. I'm talking about a righteous cause. Do you believe in standing up for your Christian beliefs? Do you believe in standing up for the word of God? Do you believe in standing up 
for your family and what's right according to Scripture. When you have a righteous cause that you believe in, you will stand up for it. And the pilgrims, they didn't get on the Mayflower because they had nothing better to do or they had frequent sailing miles on their Capital One card. They got on there because they believed in their cause. And so I want you to look here at verse 51 of 1 Samuel 17. I'm talking about standing up for God, standing up for your Christian beliefs. So here we have it. The fight is about to happen. And I mean, nobody there believed that David had a chance. And maybe you've been in a spot where no one believes that you have a chance. Everybody believes that you're going to fail. They think you're going to choke. They think that you are going to not make it. And that's fine. I don't need everybody else's affirmation and approval to stand up for what's right. I only need me and I need God and that's it. Amen. And sometimes that's all you're going to get. And well, I'll do it if I get 10 people to back me. If I, You know what? You may not ever get 10 people to back you. But if you've got God, if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. And so here we have it. Here's the fight. There is literally one person at the, out of all the hundreds and thousands of soldiers there. There is only one person there that thinks David can win. And that's David. Nobody else thinks he's going to win. 1 Samuel 17, verse 41, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And so, uh, and he cursed David by the names of his gods. Goliath's got so much weapons that he's got extra guys carrying shields and weapons. David has a stick and some rocks. That's all he brought to the fight. And so they're all laughing and making fun, and Goliath starts cursing him in the names of his false gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, all right, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And so David's saying, man, you got all your weapons. I've got the name of God, and you have defied him. You have taunted him. You have made fun of him. You have disrespected him, and you have officially crossed the line. And you need to have some lines drawn in the sand. You cross this line, it's on. And David said, the line has been crossed. Verse 46 Today the Lord will conquer you, and I'm going to kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but he doesn't do it with a sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Now, that's big talk from a 17-year-old kid coming up against a giant. Amen? Uh, We need people like that. 
We need people that will stand up for the name of Jesus, that will stand up for the word of God, that will stand up for the house of God, that will stand up for the people of God in 2021. And so as Goliath moved closer to attack, David snuck out there as stealth as he could. No, David quickly ran out to meet him. David could not wait for this moment. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled out Goliath's sword from the sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. I love that, man. That is justice right there. Come on, somebody. I love that David used Goliath's own sword to finish him off. And listen, so many times the devil thinks that he's got you trapped. He thinks he's got you right where you want you. But you turn the tables on him and you use his own weapons to destroy him. Amen. The devil thinks that, hey. I'm going to destroy this family and you get a hold of the name of Jesus and you use your family to destroy the works of Satan. Amen. You change that marriage. You raise those kids the right way. You start doing things God's way. And the very thing that the devil thought he was going to use to take you down is the thing that you turn around and absolutely embarrass him with. And because David stood up for the right thing, it paved the way for the rest of his life. And not only that, it paved the way for his children and future generations. And so I'm talking about lessons from the pilgrims. Number one, don't just wait for things to change. Number two, think of future generations. Think of future generations. Only a selfish person thinks about their own immediate comfort. That um, that deserves to be said again. Only a selfish person thinks about their own immediate comfort. There are things taking place right now that will uh, that are not setting up our children for a very good future in a lot of ways. They're teaching our kids things, telling our kids things. They're 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 creating things that are not good for our future generations. And so many people, yeah, but if I say something now, if I do something now, man, everyone's going to do this to me. Everyone's going to think I'm crazy. And I'm willing to deal with a little ridicule now if it means that my kids can have a better future someday, amen, and can not have to endure some of the junk that is coming down the pike right now. And so only a selfish person thinks about their own immediate comfort. And, you know, I'm, I, 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 every morning, you know, the biggest thing for me is I've got to start every day off with the word of God. And there's several reasons for that. One, because I love Jesus and I love his word and I want to grow. But two, my family needs me to read the Bible every single day. I don't just do this for me. I do this for them. I'm no good without the Bible. You wouldn't like me without the Bible. You wouldn't like I'm not so nice if I don't have time with God. You, you ever been really hungry and it just changes your mood and you're a crank? How many of you get really mean when you're hungry? Raise some hands. I know you guys, okay? This is a small town. Okay, yeah, thank you. That's a little slightly better. Some of you are still lying. But 
Listen, when you're hungry, you're no good. You're mean, you're cranky, you're nasty. And that's how I am if I have not been with Jesus. I've got to have some of the bread of life every single morning. And I don't just do it for me. I'm thinking about future generations. I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about my family. And it's so important that the decisions that you're making right now, they're not about 2021. They're about 2022 and 23 and 24 and 35. They're about the future generations. And I'll I'll say this. I'm really grateful that my parents uh, never gave me the choice of going to church. Now, not everybody agrees with me on this, and that's fine. I'm a humble man. I can wait till we get to heaven for Jesus to tell you how right I am. I'm fine with that, okay? But I'll just tell you this right now, that I'm really, really glad that church was never, ever, ever an option. There's not one time in my life that I woke up and my parents said, do you feel like going to church today? It was not an option because what if Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross that day? Maybe he wasn't in the mood or didn't have the feels yet. And so, well, I'll, I'll get around to it when I, when I get to it. That's not what Christianity is not about doing what you feel like doing. Christianity is about doing what the word of God says and sacrificing, especially when you don't feel like it. And so this is just, I mean, it is so imperative and so important right now that as parents that we train our kids in the ways of God and we teach them the importance of going to God's house, reading God's word, being around God's people, singing God's praises, praying to him. It is so important that we teach them right now that Christianity isn't when you feel like it. It's an everyday commitment, whether you feel like it or not, because there's some days that you don't feel like it, but you still live for Jesus anyway. And so from the time I was a day old till 18 years old and I moved out, I went to church three, actually I went three times would have been a low week. I actually went about, we had about five services a week at one point and I went to five services a week. One time we had church every day for 63 straight days and, and I, it was awesome. I loved it. It was incredible. I don't regret it. And you know, I've had people ask me, man, you know, how did you feel? Was that, was that forced down your throat? I didn't take any of it as being forced down my throat. I took it as my gosh, my parents love me enough to teach me the ways of God, that as an adult, when when Satan's tried to hit my marriage, I knew how to fight. When Satan's tried to hit my health, I knew how to fight. When Satan tried to take my money, I knew how to fight. And when Satan tries to attack my church family, I know how to get in the trenches and fight on my knees for you guys because of that. And so I'm telling you, I don't regret it one little bit. Don't teach your children to only serve God when they feel like it or it's convenient. I've seen how that turns out and it is not pretty. And so let me show you Psalm 78, Psalm 78. Are you still with me today? Still with me? You thinking about that food? All right. I've got an advantage today. I still don't have much of a sense of smell. I can't smell if there's any food going on right now. So I could preach for another hour and be fine. I am, I am fine. Hey, it's good. Could go for days. Psalm, 
Let's do it. <laughs> 63 days. Who wants to pull a good old-fashioned 63-dayer? <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Psalm 78. And here we have some instructions for us regarding training our children in the ways of God. Psalm 78, and I love this. It says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. You need to not hide the truths of God's word from your children. You have a responsibility to tell your kids and grandkids about the glorious things that God has done for you. Have you told your kids about the times that God rescued you? Have you? Do you tell your grandkids and your kids and your nieces and nephews? And do you tell the next generation about the things that God did for you? Did you tell them your testimony? Have you told them what God has brought you through? If you haven't, you need to fix that. They need to know that, that your Christianity isn't just some tradition you do. It's not just some book you read of all these old stories. They need to hear out of your mouth the things that Jesus has done for you. Kids, daddy didn't used to be like this. I used to battle with rage and anger, but Jesus delivered me. I used to be addicted to this, but Jesus set me free. I used to battle this over here, but Jesus broke the power of the devil over me, and I'm not the man that I used to be. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Your kids need to know that. You need to tell them. You've got a responsibility to tell them about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. Verse 5, for he issued his laws to Jacob. That's his word. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. Why? So the next generation might know them even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. We are commanded from Scripture to teach our kids the ways of God, even our unborn children. Well, my kid's only three days old. Do you, you think I ought to get going on that? You've got a, you're three days late already. You need to be, <laughs> listen, you need to be teaching those kids from the time they're in the womb. They need to be hearing the scriptures and the word of God. It is never too early to start teaching the word of God. And so the pilgrims didn't just have their own immediate desire to worship Jesus in mind when they decided to take action. They were thinking of future generations. Now, earlier, I mentioned this thing called the Mayflower Compact. It's considered to be the first governing document in, uh, in America. And so all the men that arrived here signed it on November 11th, 1620. And one of the first lines of this first official governing document of the United States says that they came here for the glory of God and advancements of the Christian faith. America was founded to be a Christian nation. It was founded uh, for the advancement of the Christian faith. And my 11th great grandpa signed that document, and I'm glad he did because, praise God, 
400 years later, here we are preaching in a church the name of Jesus Christ. And our kids are hearing it, and our grandkids are hearing it, and the Internet's hearing it, and everywhere is hearing the name of Jesus Christ. Because people back then cared about, well, we may die for this whole experiment, but we're going to pass something on to our kids and grandkids. And I'm glad that there were people back then that had guts to stand up for what's right. And the third thing I'm going to say today is this. Lessons from the pilgrims. Number one, be thankful. Be thankful. The first Thanksgiving, as we know, it was celebrated in 1621. After the pilgrims harvested their first crops uh, there in their new homes, there was about 50 pilgrims left. Uh, the other half died, unfortunately, that year. They didn't make it. Um, and 19, excuse me, about 90 Wampanoag Indians, they celebrated and gave thanks for three whole days. Three days of feasting and thanksgiving. Uh, they ate and ate and ate, you know, turkey and whatever else. Then they watched the Dallas Cowboys lose the first ever Thanksgiving Day game. That was incredible. Did you? Who said that? All right, I don't know. Anyway, so praise God. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's tradition, <laughs> traditions, you know, they, they go back far. But at the same time, um, you know, what, what I'm really getting at there is this. <laughs> is that, hear me, hear me out, hear me out. You know, the, half of the men died. Half of the people died that year. And really on paper... And on looking at things from the outside, like, there wasn't a whole lot to be thankful about. They lost half of their people. They lost half of their, I mean, the majority of their stuff. It looked really like these guys are colossal failures. They're losers. They tried. It was a swing and a miss. And this is just an abs. But what did they do? They took time through it all and said, you know what? We've made it this far. And they took that time, honestly, to give thanks to God that they were still there, that they had made it this far. And I look at so many people that just do nothing but complain, 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 and they've got a lot. <laughs> they've got a lot. They've got resources. They've got money. They've got, they may not be rich, but they're not destitute. They may not be wearing, I don't even know what the top brands are these days, but they may not be wearing the exact clothes they want, but they've got clothes. Here we are crying and sniffling and whining and our kids are wearing Air Jordans. Here we are crying and, and sniffling and whining and, and they're playing, you know, on a $400 Xbox and, and, and I mean, come on people, you've got it pretty good. You've got a pretty good life. You may not have as much as the guy next to you, but that's not my standard of living. My standard of living isn't how much you have. It's what God has blessed me with and what he's trusted me with. If you always have a bigger house than me, I can live with that, and I'm fine. I don't want a bigger house. There's more to clean. I don't, you know, hey, I drive an 08 Toyota Prius. With <laughs> It ain't pretty, but, man, I, I'm so grateful for what God has given me, man. I'm not the richest man in Barstow, and I am fine with that. Jesus has been really good to me, 
He healed me of cancer. He, uh, he healed me of COVID. He healed me of all sorts of stupid things. Amen. He's delivered me from being stupid. Just don't ask my wife. Uh, I mean, God's been real good to this guy right here. I still fit into a sweater 16 years later that I shouldn't fit into. The Lord's been good to me. And so I'm telling you, some of the junk that we sit around and complain about, we need to shut our mouths. We've got it pretty good in a lot of ways this morning. So I'm going to look at one final verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Don't focus on what's wrong with your life. Focus on what's good with your life. Come on. Focus on what's good. The good outweighs the bad. I promise you it does. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. But for real, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. We need some thankful people. And I mentioned in my prayer earlier, you know, the scripture tells us that love must be sincere. And I think that sometimes we've even come to a place where we can force ourselves to give a little thanks, you know, at the appropriate times. Maybe, well, yeah, it's Thanksgiving at church. I better say I'm thankful for something. But I think our thankfulness needs to be sincere, not some fake, made-up stuff. I think that we need to dig into our hearts and say, my gosh, Jesus, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for where you've brought me from, for what you've done for my kids, for, for Lord, I, the times that the devil tried to take me out that I don't even know about because you protected me so well, I didn't even know about it. But look at this, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Is it God's will for you to be thankful in all circumstances? Is it God's will for you to be thankful when things are really good? Yes, it is. Is it God's will for you to be thankful when things are not quite so good? Yes, it is. It is God's will for you to be thankful in every single circumstance. And I have found in my life that there's not a single circumstance that I have found myself in where I can't give thanks to God. And, you know, I remember I've, I've done some traveling. I, I was in, uh, when I, was, I spent my 15th birthday in St. Petersburg, Russia. And I was over there for a while doing missions work as a teenager. And I'm telling you what, I couldn't stand it over there. I hated it over there. It was awful. It was so depressing. And, I mean, it was just, there was things I thought I didn't like about my little redneck hillbilly town I grew up in in Indiana. <laughs> Sorry if anyone is watching from Indiana, but at the same time, I was like, hey, it was, it was rednecks. And so I'm like, man, I can't wait to get out of there. Then I, I go, I fly across the ocean and I could not stand it over there. But as I'm, as I'm, uh, you know, preaching on the streets over there and stuff like that, it was a wild time, but really it made me realize, my gosh, I've got a really good, good life. I don't have everything, you know, back there in Indiana that I that I want. I didn't feel like I had much, but 
when you start to see, it's like the old story you've heard maybe that there was this guy that was sad about not having any shoes until he met the guy that didn't have any feet. Then he's like, hey, you know what? I don't have it so bad. And my challenge to you this morning is this. Uh, you know, as I'm, I'm bringing it in for a landing, Josh, come on up. But I, I, I want you to realize that we need to be thankful for what God has already done, not just constantly looking for the next blessing. Have you stopped to thank God for the last blessing, or are you too busy whining and complaining and begging and, and all this stuff for the next thing that you want from God? I heard this story about these two old friends. They met, uh, they met each other on the street one day. One guy looked really sad, almost depressed. On the verge of tears, his friend asked, my gosh, what's the world done to you, my old friend? The sad guy said, well, let me tell you, three weeks ago, my uncle died and left me $40,000. And the guy's like, well, that's a lot of money. So why do you look so sad? He's like, hold on. The very next week, I had a cousin who I've never even met died and left me $85,000 free and clear. And so the one friend's like, I don't get it. Why are you so sad? And then the sad guy says, no, listen, the week after that, I want a sweepstakes of nearly a quarter of a million dollars. And, and the other guy says, why are you so sad? This is a lot of random stuff that's happened to you. He's like, yeah, all that happened three weeks in a row. This week, nothing's happened. And so, so many of us, you've had good thing happen, good thing happen, good thing happen. And here you are just like, Man, where's the next one? It's not fair. Why didn't it happen this week? Why didn't that? Did you even stop to thank God for the last thing that he did for you? Are you too concerned about what you didn't get this week? It is so important that we give true thanks to God for what he's done. I'm thankful to be at church this morning. I'm thankful that uh, that churches everywhere are open pretty much. I'm thankful that I'm not at home. I'm thankful that I'm here. I'm thankful to have church family that loves me and cares about me. And, and God's been nothing but good to me. I, I don't have one complaint against God, nothing. He's been nothing but good to me. Can we stand up together this morning? Praise God. Praise God. I, maybe that seemed all a little bit random to you. I don't know, but... But I want us this morning to realize a few things. Like we said, number one, the time is always right to do what is right. We've got to stand up for our Christian beliefs. We've got to stand up for the Bible, for the name of Jesus, for our children. Because it's not just about right now. It's about the next generation. And also, we need to truly give thanks to God today because whether you know it or not, he's been very, very good to you. And so what we're going to do this morning, I'm going to have my prayer team come on up. First of all, if you need prayer for anything this morning, uh, we want to uh, give you a chance to be prayed for. And you guys can ignore the, the workers. Don't mind them. They'll be there in a little bit. But I want you for a few minutes this morning. If you need prayer, we want to pray for you. But even more than that, Josh is going to lead us in worship for just another couple minutes here. 
you in your spot where you are right now, I believe that you need to take a few minutes to give thanks to God for some of the things that he's done for you, some of the things that he's brought you through, some of the miracles that have taken place in your life, some of the protection and provision that has occurred. And I'm challenging you, I'm telling you, I'm commanding you right now in the name of Jesus to take these next couple of minutes to focus on him and give Jesus some thanks for what he's done in your life. And let it be sincere. Don't be fake. Be sincere with Jesus. Amen. Josh, go ahead and lead us. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. i 
after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Well, who is blessed today? Yes, amen. Pray that we received the word this morning with gratefulness. We had a great time. We're getting ready to close out and get into our uh, our meal time here. So listen, even if you didn't bring something, please stick around. There's plenty for everybody. And we want everybody to be here with us, Every person. Please be here with us and feast and give thanks and and be merry. We're going to have an awesome time. And everybody, uh, we just want you to be here with us. Remind you, there's no service tonight. uh, So praise God. Just keep that in mind. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and have Pastor Katie here give you a a reminder of the instructions as we dismiss. And uh, and then I'll let her pray for the food and we'll uh, go get our kids and stuff. 
Okay, a couple of instructions. First of all, we're going to let Miss Pastor go first to honor her. And we're going to let Pastor Dave go first because he won't eat if we don't. And um, then we're going to make sure that our seniors and anyone who needs assistance getting through the line is able to go first. Um, please make sure, as we talked about, make sure you get your kids first and that you help them with their plates. Um, also, I would ask if you could pretty please not be a glutton. It's a sin, you know. So I'm just letting you know before Thanksgiving, when you eat past being full, it's a sin, okay? Gorging yourself is a sin. Anyway, um, I would ask that you would honor others and leave some food for them. We know some of you, you people can eat and that is wonderful. Just be honoring to each other. Okay. And please don't take food on this side. Okay. And not on the altar. Okay. Jesus doesn't need any extra turkey grease when you're kneeling down. Okay. So help your kids stick together, help each other who needs help. Um, do your best to clean up after yourselves. Make sure to get your kids, get your kids before you eat. Um, Robert, am I missing anything? He's not even listening. Okay, I think I think that's all I got. So we're going to pray together, but we are missing someone who's very, very special to us today. She had some surgery. Miss Pam Church is missing today, and she normally is the one who is behind the scenes pulling all this off. So when we pray, I'd like to pray in agreement together over her and her family, okay? Father, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we have a hope and a future, that you have a good plan for our lives. Thank you for your healing, for your anointing, for your strength in our life. Thank you that we can call on you, that you can help us at any point in our lives. Thank you for all you've provided for us. Thank you for the opportunity to come to a church, to have the doors open, Lord, that we can worship and honor you that we could raise our hands and thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, make a way, open the door for us. Help us to make a way, Lord, to share our testimony with others this week, with our children this week, that we would glorify you in what we say and do. Father, for Miss Pam, thank you for your healing, working in her body. Thank you so much for all you've brought her through and all you're doing for her. I pray a blessing over her and her family today and this week. I ask that you'd provide for them in an amazing way, that you would help her and strengthen her in her body, Lord. Bless her for all that she's sown into our church family, all these times, Lord, that she has allowed us to come together and to eat as she worked behind the scenes. Thank you, Lord, for blessing her this Thanksgiving. And for everyone who's working today, I ask that you would bless them, redeem their time, strengthen them, give them an amazing nap today, Lord. And I ask, Father, that as we get together and we partake of this food, that you would bless it to the nourishment of our bodies, that you take sickness away from the midst of us and the number of our days that you would fulfill, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. And last but not least, we're going to bless Barso, right? Ready? Okay. Everyone's going to run for food. Okay, seriously? All right. We declare that Barso is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barso is healed. Barso is prospering. Barso is safe. Barso is strong. 
Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Now you can go get it.